This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast. I'm your host, G Stryker, and today we break down the schedule in depth with my homeboy from DKPittsburghSports.com, Hunter Homestack. Hunter, how are you today? My man, it's always a good time on this show. I appreciate you having me back. Everything's beautiful here in <laughs> Pittsburgh, always, even when it's wet and cold and rainy as it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have, we've got more of an overcast day here in the Baltimore area, but... You know, it's, it's it, hopefully it's nice enough that I can take my daughter out because I've kind of used it as leverage for her to do her homework today, saying, I'm going to take you out if you do your homework with mom <laughs> after the podcast. So hopefully everything's quiet nice. upstairs. That's a great play. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> sure. so looking at the season, schedule came out on Thursday. Obviously, I did a quick um, overview going over it on Facebook Live simulcast with our Twitter live as well and got to do that for Steelers fans quickly break it down just as it came out now today what we're going to do is really sink our teeth into this and there's nobody I can think of better to do this than you Hunter man because you're just as crazy as I am about overthinking things and getting into the nitty-gritty of stuff to make it exciting (laughs) for Steeler fans because we're Steeler fans and we're mental like that so (laughs) (laughs) so looking at the preseason like Preseason, generally, all the teams are set. We know who we're going to be playing in the preseason. Um, Times are not definitely set yet. Only the primetime game is set. And the primetime game is supposed to be against New Orleans the second week of preseason. And that will be a national game. Now, obviously, the Steelers are going to be playing the Hall of Fame game, which is a big game for Steeler fans this year. And they'll be playing it against Dallas. So that will be, I think, the biggest indicator on how sports are going to look coming up for this game. And what are your thoughts on the Hall of Fame game then, Hunter? Yeah, you touched touched on it there. It'll be a huge indicator of what sports will look like. That's kind of the whole thing with the Hall of Fame game this year. You know, I think it's always a somewhat interesting game regardless just because everybody's been dying for some football and this is the first taste of even preseason football which is a good enough appetizer at the time you know when you're when you're starving you'll accept any appetizer they give you so (laughs) the hall hall of fame game is always good on some level but this season i mean steelers versus cowboys and all these Steelers are getting inducted this year, including the Centennial class with Donnie Shell and Bill yeah. Cowher and all just yeah. the various levels of Steelers getting inducted. It was going to be a – it's always a Steelers takeover in Canton anyway because it's not far, but mm-hmm. you had this image of just a sea of black and gold this year being in Canton, but now we're not sure if that's – if it's going to look like that. How, yeah. We don't know how it's, how it's going to flesh out yet. Are, are fans going to be allowed at all? What's this game going to be? So – there's a lot of question marks around that, but it will be, like you said, a great indicator of what they can do. And I just think based on the based on the progress that's been made here 
with the whole coronavirus pandemic, the steps that we've seen people taking and the way things are slowly opening up, I think by August 6th, they'll have something in place. I'm not saying it's going to look like it usually does in Canton, but mm. I think it'll be something of a spectacle worth seeing and worth, you know, really getting excited about because it is, it's still Steelers Cowboys, even though it's total preseason nonsense, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good time. That That's just a cool showcase. But the bigger picture here is definitely stepping out of the shadow of coronavirus. So it'll, that's the most interesting aspect to me that'll make it kind of, nationally appealing and that's the the big matchup too. the 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 great way that the nfl did set up this matchup is it's thinking about putting the teams at the stadium where they think that the biggest impact will be for the fans and both have a coach going in this year one of their most successful coaches on both sides one being bill cower for the steelers the other being Jimmy Johnson, who won three Super Bowls, once won against the Steelers as well. So that matchup, that rivalry is is still in the Steelers' DNA from the 70s, playing the Cowboys twice in the Super Bowls. So I think that's really cool. And then plus you have, like you're saying, two Steelers are going in this year. Shell and Polamalu, I mean, two big safeties. The, the dam has broken on safeties coming into the Hall of Fame, and they've been recognized and utilized as more of an impactful position in the in the last uh, 15 years so it's really nice to see them get their notoriety that they're starting to get especially with Dawkins coming in and with uh with Ed Reed the year before I mean before safeties were almost like an afterthought to get in the hall of fame just like punters and kickers (laughs) it's like you have like one or two I mean even with Ronnie Lott going in he was a cornerback at the beginning of his career you didn't have any safeties going into the Hall of Fame that were a safety their entire career. It was a very, very odd thing. But uh, It's crazy to think of the way that position has become kind of a marquee position on defenses today that it would be like that. But, I mean, Donnie Sell being the perfect example yeah. for that. Yeah, that safety, he took forever to get in. He only had like 8,000 interceptions in his career, I but know. apparently that wasn't <laughs> enough to get in. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I mean, you're not going to – you you are an automatic into the Hall of Fame if you have forty interceptions. It seems nowadays, and he had over fifty. And it's for him to right. be that long. I mean, yeah, he played on a talented team, but man, he was talented, and that's the reason why yep. he got in over a long period of time. So that's sure. you know, number one. That's a, that's just a great matchup. Um, I'm excited. I don't know if it's going to be like the UFC. It was nice to see the UFC get back in last weekend. Even though, you know, they had it in Florida, Florida is supposed to be a little bit more lax on them, able to hold events and host events, but they didn't have a crowd there. They, they held it without a crowd, but it's at least your first inkling of seeing sports franchises and, and sports leagues are understanding what's going on right now, and they want to get their product out there still. So even though they had zero people on the draw, zero ticket sales, pay-per-view was off the charts. So... That's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, and that's what we're moving toward now. And I, I don't know if they, the NFL is going to start doing more of a pay per view basis as well, because that's not something that they had in place for the last CBA. I'm not sure if they can, you know, work something out to kind of do that for this season. But it, I mean, I, I think they've always been geared toward trying to sell that NFL plan, as opposed to you yeah, know, man, trying to do pay per view. That's a it, it's an interesting thought. It's something I've been thinking of with a lot of things. The virtual draft being what really kind of made me start thinking about this is like what what of these changes that seem so dramatic right now you know all these shifts and changes that we're making to accommodate 
but how many of them are going to stick and just become the norm because some of them are more efficient? You know, I heard yeah. uh, our Dale Lawley, our, our Steelers beat writer on the site, mm-hmm. was talking to Art Art Rooney second, and he was ta- he was saying how a lot of the virtual draft accommodations they had to make opened their eyes to like, why weren't we doing it like this all along? We don't need to pay for airfare and a hotel and all this stuff every time, you know, yeah. this FaceTime, you, you can get a lot accomplished just over FaceTime. We can yeah. do a lot of our preliminary research and interviews with these guys virtually. So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see all this stuff that's been born out of necessity. Some of it might just stick. So I think where you're, where your head's at with kind of the pay-per-view idea, even, even if it's not that, I think we're going to see, more creative ways to not only broadcast games, but maybe do like watch parties. Like I could see Pat McAfee, for instance, holding like YouTube watch parties for games. You know, we're going to see more creative, more creative remote kind of stuff, I think moving forward, which is really exciting because the technology has been there, but we haven't always utilized it. So this coronavirus has forced us to because we're we're all remote right now. So I don't know, man. I'm super interested to see that because I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out that just gets way cooler and more connected with the whole NFL viewing experience. Yeah, yeah. And then to go through the, pardon me, to go through the rest of the preseason, the play, the matchups are set. When it comes down to preseason, the teams have a little bit more of a say on who they play in the preseason. You notice that the Steelers have been playing Carolina Panthers a lot in the preseason recently, and that's because of the way that the Steelers organizations and the Carolina Panthers organization work. I believe they have an owner that used to be a a part Steeler owner, Uh, so there's a lot of knowledge of each other. Them being in opposite conferences makes it an easy matchup, and they both kind of run their franchises, at least the Carolina franchise is trying to pattern their franchise after the Steeler franchise. So the the teams are set. You got Tampa Bay week one. You got New Orleans primetime week two. Then week three is another week I always look to in the preseason because generally that's the week that you have all of your starters play. And this year the week three matchup is going to be the New York Jets with Le'Veon Bell. Is there a guy on the Steelers striker that that maybe you're excited to see in week three? I can't remember. Is there a Steeler coming back from an injury or something? Uh, I I mean I I I think we might have uh what is he called? I think he's a quarterback and he might have been playing on this team before, so uh that might be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if the I... the return the return of Tommy Maddox is upon us, Steelers <laughs> Nation. Yep, yep. Of course, the Big Ben will be back on the field. Game three. This will probably be the biggest highlight game to see how he does. Uh, honestly, though, Hunter, I'm not sure if they're going to try to work him in a little bit into one and two as well, kind of like the way that um that that Belichick used to do with Brady up in New England. He used to play in every preseason game. Um and then I think he yeah. they'd increase it. I think he'd play like a series the first game, he'd play like a couple series the second game, he'd play a quarter the third game and essentially like a half the fourth game. Um just trying to get yeah. him ready for the season. Now, that might be a similar approach over time. Uh, I mean, Tomlin's been the complete opposite. Tomlin's like Preseason is strictly to evaluate talent and not get my starters hurt. Like Ben would play maybe a series or two in the entire preseason, and it would be that week three game. So 
number one, that's going to be an interesting thing to see if Tomlin changes his philosophy to try to get Ben back on track, or if he's just going to stick status quo and just stay like, well, you know, we're just going to stick with the way it is and try to keep our starters as healthy as possible. What, what are your thoughts? Sure. I mean, look, they they know Ben better than I'll ever know Ben. So I'll just preface it with that. And Ben knows Ben better than anybody can know Ben. So nobody really knows as far as how that's going to go. But when I when I look at this, I see a couple really crucial things. And chief among them is that training camps and OTAs and everything have been so shortened and so different this year. So normally whenever you know, Ben might be getting some throws in at the Rooney Complex or at least developing some chemistry with his receivers and getting some of those early throws in just whatever basic stuff. It's not there this year in person. So whenever you factor in that, plus the fact that he only played six quarters last season and he wasn't good in, in those six quarters, whether it was the injury or whether something was just off with, you know, he had a lot of new receivers at the beginning of last season too. So yeah. whether it was that or – what, what whatever it may have been, Ben hasn't been in a rhythm and been good in real football action in a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> so dating, you know, dating back to the end of the 2018 season. So yeah, he he needs to take the rust off. I think, and that's that's why I'm saying I don't know Ben as well. I don't uh, whatever. I trust the coaches. I trust Ben, but at the same time, from my perspective, I don't see how he can't be rusty. That's just an insanely long time, and this is. This is speaking nothing of the injury itself. You know, yeah. that, that whole recovery is its own thing. And I, I am among, you know, I, I have full faith that he's going to recover fine from that elbow injury, that the surgery went fine and that he'll be on track. That's all they've said from the very beginning is that he was on track and he's been meeting every milestone. We saw him throwing a football recently and we've, we've seen everything. All the progress looks perfect to me. Yeah. I'm not super concerned. I'm not super concerned about the injury itself. I'm just concerned about him having game experience and that feel of an NFL game. So I like when you, when you mentioned kind of the Tom Brady plan, even if it's just one series, you know, one first, like one first down, even it wouldn't bother me, but just get him out there, like take a couple snaps and throw the ball around a little bit. Just try to get that feel back, get hit once or twice, you know, because that's a huge thing too. He needs, he needs to be able to trust that elbow. Everybody thinks, you're just throwing, which obviously your right elbow yeah. <laughs> it matters for, for yeah. throwing the football. But but you could also easily, you know, catch a helmet on a, an edge rusher coming around the edge, hit you in the elbow with their helmet or smack your elbow or tackle yeah. you and you land off awkwardly on the elbow. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I think he just needs to feel and he just needs to feel out to trust that elbow and trust that it's fully healed. And I think my, for myself and I think Steelers fans would agree I would like that to be out of his system before the regular season. So I'm I'm all about Ben playing not just that week three preseason matchup against the Jets, but getting a little time against Tampa Bay and the Saints as well. And I'm also interested to see how week four of the preseason, the philosophy of it is going to play out across the league. We're already into May. Obviously, we've lost rookie OTAs and even the first year and early team OTAs so in minicamp. So it doesn't look like there's going to be anything going on really in May yet. And what that means is now you have your new rookie class, all the new players that you have that are developmental players that have had zero look at kind of walking around the field and getting to know the feel of the game and their position and where they're expected to be. 
and now you're going to be throwing him into training camp should training camp open on in, on time at the end of July without that whole body of work that you usually get about the two months before going into it. So now with that shortened schedule, immediately throwing into training camp, starting preseason, you know, a week and a half later, 10 days later, and what's this going to look like for teams now with evaluation? It's definitely going to hurt the evaluation process because you're not going to get those dedicated weeks in May and early June for mini camps to be able to see these new talents, to see kind of where they could fit in your team if they can crack the roster. Now they're going to really have to buckle down and make it a really tough time to make the roster to tell you the truth coming through the rest of the season. So you're hitting week four in preseason. Normally that's the game where just no starters play. You have just regular guys out on the field trying to make their last game tape so that they can hopefully parlay that into a practice squad slot on your team. Or if not, another team might pick you up and roster you or practice squad you on another team. But the rest of the league now with the COVID-19 effect going on, that game four may be a game where we see more starters, where we actually see a little bit more competition because not only do you have these first-year players entering your program not getting those snaps, you have your starters and your and your rostered players, which you know are your stars, that haven't gotten any reps. And, you know, how what is even their workout regimen right now? I mean, right now everybody is usually in a solid workout regimen aside from a few stars that go out and work out on their own. Right now, I mean, you're not even allowed to go into the facility to work out. I think the only ones allowed in the facility right now are the the ones that are still rehabbing injuries. So that's a very, very small sample size of people that are allowed to go in and get some sort of normalcy and getting used to that chemistry with the rest of the team. So I'm I'm thinking that week four this year is going to be different just strictly because of the whole coronavirus and that I think league-wide we're going to see more starters trying to get ready to compete for then week one so they can hit the ground running as opposed to kind of pulling back on the reins week four, letting the, the newer guys play, and then throw everybody back in the following week. Yeah, it's huge, man. And I remember last year all through rookie OTAs and training camp just talking to various players, a lot of rookies, you know, I kind of I kind of zeroed in on the rookies last season just to really get to know them. And the new guys, including like Steven Nelson and Mark Barron and the free agents that they had brought in. Yeah. But they they all without fail talked about not so much Mark Barron and Nelson the vets but the the rookies for sure talked about learning that NFL playbook and getting up to speed and how crucial the OTAs were for them to get their feet wet even you know guys like Deontay Johnson who had a pretty sophisticated route tree coming out that was something they liked about him it was a very rough adjustment for him and then on the complete opposite side Benny Snell had to learn all kinds of stuff that he did not do at Kentucky at all especially with pass protection and receiving yeah. the ball. Yeah. You know, they asked him to be, become a complete NFL running back. And I definitely think that, that that influenced the way the Steelers drafted this year. I think knowing that that was coming, I heard uh, Kevin Colbert mention several times about how they were looking for the intelligence of these guys when they were scouting. That, that's something the Steelers always care about, you know, good character, yeah. high intelligence kind of guys. But – I just the way he kept mentioning it in the one interview that I was reading, I think it was with the, uh, it's on our site somewhere, but regardless, Colbert was talking about how they were, you know, step one, can he play football? Step two, is he intelligent? You know, like that's, that's what we're looking for this year. So 
And I, I think like Chase Claypool, for instance, you look at that pick and, it, you know, some people scratch their heads. I think you and I can agree that we, we like that pick. We yeah. get it. We see yeah. it. But, but that's a guy who's not he, – he's not going to have a ton asked of him right off the bat. You know, they have support at receiver. If you can run a go route and run some fades in the end zone, like you're good. You're going to work out for us. He can, he can kind of get by with just his physical talent and getting his feet wet versus if they had gone running back early and you're looking for that kind of stud running back and you're expecting him to play a lot what he's going to have to learn to acclimate as a rookie and without that time is is much much more than somebody like a chase Claypool. so i think that kind of influenced it as well so man i'm with you on that week four i could see it but at the same time i could see them still saying still just sticking to tradition and saying you know we're going to keep our guys healthy it's not that big of a deal we're, we're going to be okay and we're going to roll into the regular season healthy. So it's, it's interesting at any rate, I think we're going to see more uh, preseason viewers this year than, than other years, just because <laughs> there is a lot of intrigue, a lot of intrigue on that level. Yeah. And especially since that's going to be right now, it's, it's playing out to being the first sports franchise that's going to be starting on time. I mean, with the NBA and the NFL or in the uh, NHL and the, um, soccer, XFL, everything. I mean, MLB couldn't even start. So it, this is going to be the first real full season. Still hasn't been affected yet by coronavirus. So it'll be really, really interesting to see that everybody's going to be taking the, the 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 plan of the NFL once they start reopening. If they reopen on time, we get this Hall of Fame game in with or without fans. I mean, it's going to be the blueprint on how leagues start opening from this coronavirus so pretty interesting stuff for this year and coming in hopefully if everything goes good in the preseason we get to start week one and week one of the season this year for the Steelers gets started off well they get they start off even though it's on the road again I believe this is now their fifth straight road game to start the season and they'll be doing it Fortunately, they'll have a softer opponent, in my opinion. They'll be doing it against the Giants. It'll be the early Monday night game because week one of the Monday nights, they usually have two Monday night games. One starts at 7, one starts at 9.30. And the Steelers will be playing the early one of the doubleheader against the Giants, who now, of course, the uh, Manning is gone. Uh, they have Daniel Jones starting the, his first season as the starter. And, of course, they've got the always dangerous Saquon Barkley at running back. Yeah, I mean, the the Giants have some weapons. And overall, I think just week one in general, uh, coronavirus shortened season or off season or not, week one is always kind of sloppy for teams. Yeah. And especially the Steelers, for, for whatever reason, I feel like the Steelers, I mean, the Patriots game last year was just, a complete disaster. Yeah. And and I remember, you know, a couple opening games against the Browns where it was just uncharacteristically sloppy by them. So it, it's going to take people time to acclimate. So I think in, in some ways, like you say, the giants are kind of a, an easier matchup, which I definitely agree on paper, but in some ways I think the coronavirus outbreak is going to level the playing field early to where yeah. everybody's a little off and adapting. And, and you said exactly where my head goes you have a guy like Saquon Barkley on your team and he breaks off, you know, just one massive touchdown or that could be the difference. Like just a game changer like that could end up being the difference whenever everybody's struggling. So Saquon Barkley's not going to forget how to run through all this. So when you have, when when you have something like that to fall back on, it's, it's really, 
a weapon for your team. So, but at the same time, it's not like the Steelers don't have playmakers by any means. I'm not saying that, but I just think it'll be more even than people think early on. And I definitely think that road game, like you said, it's either the fifth or this, I don't know. Somebody needs to fact check us on that, but regardless. I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, a lot of road games in a row, regardless opening. So they're used to that on one hand, you know, they're used to it. They know how to handle that. On the other hand, you would like to see him open at home just because, but it's all about Ben to me. It all just comes down to Ben. That's what week one is just completely about Ben Roethlisberger because you're going to get a sense of exactly, you know, he's going to play in the preseason like we talked about, but there's nothing like regular season NFL action. So we're going to have a sense early. Is he back? Is he fine? Is everything okay? Because as we saw last season, you just – cannot replace having that Hall of Fame quarterback under center. That's going to set the tone early for the Steelers season and either cause a lot of panic mm. or a lot of hope. So yep. Yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how it goes. But, but regardless, Monday night, like you said, a primetime matchup, what a way to do it. And I just looked it up. It is the sixth straight road game. Last, road, last home game for the Steelers – was to to open up the season was in 2014 against the Browns. There it is. So now we're on our sixth straight road game and honestly the only thing that I really like about this matchup and you know it as well is when you have a good defense that has worked together for an entire year that is the easiest thing to get running on all cylinders to start a season. And that's something that Steelers have had a lot of flux here the last few seasons. And one of their biggest problems for starting the season slowly isn't necessarily because Ben, I mean, yeah, Ben might be rusty in here, here and there, but a lot of the times it was defensive matchups because, you know, you lose Shazier the one season coming in the next year. We don't even know what we're doing on defense, trying to figure it out. It took us two years to, to come around to that. And actually we didn't really even fix it until we got Minka this year and didn't have Minka to start sure. the season last that, this past year. So this is the first year where the Steelers are relatively intact. The only person you're losing is Hargrave and, you know, he may or may not even be on the on the field as much the way that they're running with two linemen. And if you have to it and and um, Hayward healthy for the first game, they're the ones that would be getting the majority of the snaps anyway. So this is an instance where Steelers defense is going to be ready. They know their assignments. They know how they work. They're going to probably be working in new wrinkles and have some new defensive alignments that are going to be kind of odd, possibly some money backer situations since they did not restock the uh, the inside linebacker depth and they did start stocking with extra safeties. So I'm I'm thinking they're probably going to keep extra safeties this season as opposed to an extra uh, inside linebacker to kind of fill that role. And coming into it, when you're looking at that Giants team, that team is Saquon Barkley. I mean, they've got a rookie quarterback who's now coming into his first year, isn't really a, a big passer down the field yet, but Saquon Barkley is the offense. Thousand yards rushing, the number two receiver on the team. You shut down Saquon, you shut down their ability to move the football. So to me, that's a good matchup defensively going into a game. You know you're focusing on one guy. So yep. The, on the other hand, the offense has got to do something. If the defense doesn't score for them, obviously, if they can make some some interceptions and put on short fields, if the defense is really clicking, that makes the offense's job easier, and it makes the offense look better also because 
on shorts fields and extra possessions, the offense is going to get more chances to score and they're going to be able to knock off that rust a little bit earlier. So I'm, I'm, I'm liking the matchup at least for week one. And you know, this is the way if, if they had to open up on the road, you know, against the giants is probably one of the best places they could have for their first game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. It looks good on that level. Like you're saying, and the giants, I mean, I'm with you that that their team, their offense is basically Saquon. But yeah. at the same time, we hear we hear players say this all the time. Teams change so much year to year. Even if it even if it's roughly the same roster, it could be philosophies or growth or development in the off season. And especially in week one, you really don't know what you're getting out of these Giants. Is it gonna be the same Giants as last year? Mm. Nobody really knows. So it wouldn't be the first time either that the Steelers were upset by a, a clearly inferior opponent. So there's no gimmies in the NFL. I think that's that's the bottom line with it is that there's no gimme game ever, and especially with all the flux, all the you know talk around Roethlisberger being back. If he's not, if something is wrong there, it yeah. could get ugly quick. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Week two, Steelers come back for their home opener against Denver. They were seven and nine last year. Drew Locke is their quarterback now. Flacco just had neck surgery. So he is officially out right now until September. So who knows if Flacco would be even be able to play for this game. But it looked like Denver was kind of transitioning to Drew Locke anyway last season. And so with Flacco not being ready, how does this matchup look to you? Uh, I think they actually cut Flacco, though, just off the top. Like, even oh, if wow. he's healthy, he's... He's gone as far as I know. I think he failed a physical or something after that, and they were just like, yeah, this just didn't work. <laughs> Time to break <laughs> up. But, uh, yeah, uh, Drew Locke, I mean, he won right. some games last year, right? Yeah. Didn't he? I mean, he. I think he went like 4-1 and one as their starter, which is kind of crazy. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't blown away by anything I saw, and, and obviously I did not do a deep dive on his game. But young, anytime you have a young quarterback coming into year two, I think getting a little experience as he did, you know, in those couple games he was able to actually get in and get some work. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge for for a young quarterback coming into year two, just to get a little feel. Actually, I kind of feel like that's the ideal way to do it. You know, these rookie quarterbacks who are expected to start from week one, I think they can develop a lot of bad habits. Like when when they're struggling, whenever things aren't going their way, it can affect their mental game and their confidence as well. And they can kind of develop bad habits that kind of carry. Yeah. But when you have kind of a more Drew Locke situation where he just played a couple games, you know, he got the feel and then he had a nice long off season to, di- to digest it and grow. So I think he's, he's definitely going to be better than what we saw last year. Um, the Denver, much like the giants though, on paper, they're not a really terrifying team by any means. So yeah. I think that's a good, that's a good home opener for sure for the Steelers and it'll be a good, it'll be a good benchmark though, because they Denver does still have some weapons and defensively, obviously you're always looking at Von Miller to do stuff. So yeah, you know, yeah, man, it's a fun home opener for them. But again, I see this I well, never mind. We're doing predictions at the end. I think yeah, see, yeah, I was going to tell you we'll predict records. Yeah. I won't, <laughs> I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it for the listeners. Keep listening. <laughs> well, great. Well, 
being part of Steeler Nation, we we're always up on fact-checking, and you were right, Hunter. They cut Joe Flacco back in March when he failed his physical. So with that neck injury that I researched today, he is definitely out until September. So who knows where he's going to end up, and it makes it even more difficult for a, a quarterback to gain traction and, and join another team until he's fully healthy. So we'll probably have to wait until into September if somebody loses a quarterback, if they're going to take a flyer on Joe Flacco this year. So, yes, you're right. So Drew Locke was a 4-1 and one record. Mason Rudolph was 5-3, and three, but still had a good season, 1,000 yards in, in his five games, seven touchdowns to three interceptions. So he had a, a positive touchdown-to-interception ratio. He had a winning record that's tough to do for any quarterback in their first season of play. So he's checking those boxes, and he's doing well. So... Obviously, they've got their weapons. They've got uh, Sutton, I know, as a receiver. Uh, they also have a 1,000-yard uh, rusher as well and Philip Lindsay. So they've, they've got talent on more of a – it seems like more of a balanced attack than the Giants from the previous week. But it'll be interesting, obviously, to see how this young team rallies behind Drew Locke and becomes the identity of Drew Locke's team. Week three. Definitely. And I think no, just I can't get I can't let that one go without at least plugging the fact that Steelers Nation, I don't know how you feel about Joe Flacco backing up Ben Roethlisberger, but that's the obvious rumbling, right? <laughs> Where's he gonna go? Who needs a backup? Could you imagine? <laughs> Can you picture that? Can you picture Joe Flacco wearing a Steelers jersey? I'll tell you this. I was you know, I live in the Baltimore area. I went to the the football game, the Steelers-Baltimore matchup, the year they won the Super Bowl, I believe it was 2013. Um, and that was the year, was it 13 or was it 14? My gosh, now I'm, now I'm forgetting my, my Baltimore. Um, it was 2012, sorry, the year before. And the Steelers matchup was against... Baltimore was like week 11 and it was November and it was in Baltimore and the Steelers had a batch Charlie batch that season to to play because I think Ben was hurt at the time and everybody at the tailgate that were Ravens fans were killing Flacco they said, Flacco can't play he's horrible he's terrible and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm telling these guys I'm like guys I've been here since 2000 watching your team it's like you guys won a Super Bowl with Dilfer Flacco is way better than Dilfer. <laughs> I mean, he's got a chance to win a Super Bowl. This guy is not that bad of a quarterback. And I was obviously on the wrong end until that magic season happened because it was odd that the Steelers ended up winning that game with Charlie Batch at the end of this end of the season or the end right at the end of the game uh, because they decided not to run Ray Rice at all in the fourth quarter. They cut their offensive coordinator because they lost that game put in a new offensive coordinator and they lost they only won one more game the rest of the year but they had still made the playoffs and then they went on that Flacco went on that tear where he had the best statistical run 11 touchdowns no interceptions for a quarterback that is ever that it was insane I was actually at two of those games I saw the game Colts game at home and then my my best friend his girlfriend lived in Denver and was a Denver season ticket holder so we flew out with her to watch the Denver game and see that bomb into our end zone at the end of the game. So it was really amazing to watch Joe Flacco that season. He's built kind of like Ben. He's tall. He's tough. He's mobile. He's more like mobile the way early Ben was mobile. 
he was more apt to run him for that first down when everybody's running a streak down the field and he's got that big open field. He'll take he'll take off. So if you're asking me, can I imagine seeing Joe Flacco in that uniform? First, I have to set the caveat of every single quarterback that is available is getting linked to the Steelers because that's what Steeler fans are doing now. <laughs> I mean, right. I mean, Cam Newton, is he going to be a Steeler? Is uh, Winst- James Winston going to be a Steeler? Is Andy Dalton going to be a Steeler? I mean, it's like every single quarterback that's available now is going to be part of that record. And to set the record straight, Steeler fans, Andy Dalton was never linked and never was given a contract offer to the Steelers. It was a satire and it was a sarcastic tweet, which everybody started running as a true story. And these things happen in this Twitter world that we live in now, but the Steelers were never looking to pick up the redheaded stepchild, Andy Dalton. That was not going to happen. But Joe Flacco, I think, is the best fit out of all of these other quarterbacks. And the only way I would consider picking up Joe Flacco is if you get into the season, Ben's elbow fails into into October. You're still early in the season. Yes, I'd, I'd bring Flacco back in, possibly have him either start or compete with Mason. But it, it would be good to have him because he's still that Mason's a big quarterback, too. Um, Mason holds the ball a little bit longer and isn't as durable as Ben is getting hit. But Flacco kind of is. Flacco is that bigger bodied guy, tougher to bring down and tries to make those those plays downfield. Now, the only thing you got to get used to is jump ball Joe and (laughs) jump ball Joe when he plays to those uh, throwing those deep balls when he's under pressure and throwing those those combative balls under pressure. He's looking to pick up pass interference calls as much as he's looking to, to have one of those combative receivers make those plays for him. But the way that the Steelers are built right now, we have combative receivers. We have Juju. Yeah. Just picked up Claypool. Just picked up Ebron. You have Vance. I mean, these are all, and even Washington. Washington was an excellent combative receiver in in uh, college, and he's gotten better last season. He became pretty good at those combative receptions. So now you've got five weapons on the team that actually fit Joe Flacco's profile. So I'd say, yes, it should that hypothetical play out. If Ben gets hurt, like I wouldn't, I would not pick up Joe Flacco unless Ben got hurt, but it's nice to have that option sitting there. If he clears physicals, if Ben is hurt, I think he's, he's could fit the offense to still be competitive and possibly make a run. I, I love that. I was, one million percent kidding when I said that, and you went on a legit five-minute breakdown of why it actually kind of makes sense. And now I'm sitting here. Now I'm, now I'm sitting here like, man, does it make sense? I don't know. Like you just kind of convinced me to rethink it, but no, I was I was just kidding, just to trigger Steelers fans into 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 picturing Flacco wearing black and gold, but yeah. like on a valid points. But overall. I think I just I still think Mason's the guy, the backup, and they're totally comfortable with that. Mm. I think Mason was not nearly as bad as as people remembered. Like you said, he was five and three, which you, you can talk about how those five wins came to be, and it was all the defense or whatever. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of teams with good defenses where their quarterback couldn't muster five and three. Like there's still something going on. There's an ability to at least you, you mentioned Trent Dilfer, the ultimate game manager win, for wins. There's a there's an art to that. There's something to it. Yeah, Winning in the is. NFL is not it's not easy. Period. That's impressive. Five and three is five and three, no matter what. So 
I think they're they're just happy with Mason. And I was kidding about Flacco, but now I kind of <laughs> want to see it. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, that's what you and I do, Hunter. We challenge each other. So if you're asking me if a former University of Pittsburgh player can come back and play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, I'll say yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So moving on, matchup number three. This is the matchup I am looking for. You're going to have the power companies are going to be full force because you're going to have triple wattage on the field in Pittsburgh with Derek, TJ, and JJ filling the field at the same time for their second straight home game at 1 o'clock. Man, those guys are so – those brothers are so fun together on Twitter and everything. I think the lead-up to that game – the lead-up to that game is just going to be awesome. I think they're going to have a lot of fun, and Steelers fans are going to want J.J. Watt even more than they already do after yeah. it's all said and done. So <laughs> that's obviously a fun a fun angle, and, and you'll get, I'm sure, the pre- and post-game, post-game jersey swaps, pre-game interviews. You'll get all the good – all the goodies leading into that one and coming out of that one, but – Overall, man, I, you look at this matchup, what? I don't know what Houston's doing. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at with Houston right now because yeah. last year I would say, you know, that's a lethal That's a lethal team. That's a lethal offense. They yep. scare me for sure. Yeah. Now I, I don't know what to think. They gave away DeAndre Hopkins for basically nothing. Yeah. They didn't replace him because you really can't replace – like oh, DeAndre gosh. Hopkins is top – Top five. Top three in yeah, the NFL. Easy, yeah. easy. I, not like getting rid of, you know, whoever, Josh yeah. Mo receiver. That that's a huge move, and and you didn't, you didn't replace him. What you got back, it, David Johnson is great. He's a great running back, and I know this well as a fantasy football owner of his for many years. When he was when he was tearing it up, he yeah. won me some money in his day. So <laughs> so I like this guy, but he's not who he was, and he hasn't been for a couple years. He kind of was a flash in the pan unfortunately sorry david i still love you but that's kind of that's kind of what what he was you know that's just not the same not the same player that he once was so i look at this team and i'm i'm also wondering you know how's deshaun watson feeling about all this where's his head at you're taking away all of his weapons and diminishing this team it looks like bill o'brien's just out of control making these crazy moves so i don't know what houston is i don't know what their identity is going to be I literally have no feel for this game at all right now because mm-hmm. I truly don't know what things are all about. So we're going to have to see what the Texans are as, as the season starts and as they get a couple games. I mean, Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins is one of the scariest duos in the league, and now it's not there. So yeah. Yeah. who's it going to be? Who's going to, who's going to step up? Is Watson going to be the same quarterback without that huge number one elite receiver to throw to so there's going to be a lot of questions around him as well which is crazy because he's had a phenomenal start to his uh, nfl career so basically this game for me is a total coin flip i have no idea what to expect of the texans mm-hmm. but yeah it's an interesting one because of all that plus the watt fun that's just going to keep it lighthearted and fun yeah and you hit the nail on the head too you don't replace a 100 receiving a receiver with 100 receptions over 1000 yards you know seven touchdowns those don't grow on trees and steelers learned it last year when we lost ab and you did not get that production even spread out through the rest of the team uh it just didn't work out that way of course you know the quarterback being injured was the biggest part of that for the efficiency and getting touchdowns over interceptions 
But that was a big loss. It was a huge loss for the Steelers, and DeAndre Hopkins leaving the Houston Texans is going to be a huge loss for Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is that – that was his go-to guy. That was his number one release valve on any problem on third down. You need to get a score to win the game. He's going Hopkins. Now who's he going to? Will Fuller? I mean, is Carlos Hyde still on the team? <laughs> I don't think. I think he's a free agent, too. Okay, so that's why they picked not, up Johnson I, then. It makes more sense that they yeah. picked up Johnson. So, you know, this looks like the way that this started off in the preseason, it looked like it was a fire sale. It looked like new regime coming in, trying to replace old guys and start their own team from scratch to, to put their own stamp on it, which is kind of odd because the team was competitive. It, this was right around making the playoffs at every season, and they – they made it last year with a 10 and 6 record so it's not like this was a bad team like you had to blow everything up and start over again especially when you got a great defense to, to to on the other side of the ball to help out with so i'm with you 100% i think this is an odd game i think last year this matchup would have been a really tough matchup week 3 this this year at week 3 I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't even know what their identity is going to be going into the season. We'll kind of they'll they're going to have to feel it out during the month of September and playing a road game is going to be kind of difficult for them to feel it out in Pittsburgh that day with the Steeler fans. Well, hopefully the Steeler fans being in the crowd screaming to to help cheering their team on to victory. But it'll be interesting. I, I do like Deshaun Watson as a quarterback. So, you know, moving on from that, at least it's it's nice to see. The, the Watt matchup, it'll just be, I think the biggest competition out of the Watt matchup is which brother ends up with JJ's jersey at the end of the game. Yeah, that'll be fun. They can fight over it. <laughs> <laughs> so week four, we're moving at a road game against the upstart Tennessee Titans, who really put on a nice run at the end of the season, coached by Mike Rabel. What an amazing rushing attack that they have, which is kind of the the complete polar opposite of what the rest of the league is doing right now. So how do you see the Tennessee matchup in your opinion, Hunter? Tennessee's always a tough matchup regardless. I think they finished the season obviously super well. They carried that momentum into the playoffs, yeah. upset the Ravens. There's, as much as we just said about how the Texans, we don't know their identity. No question about the Titans' identity. They're a tough, hard-nosed. They're going to run the football. They're going to beat you up. They're going to try to bully you and overpower you, and that's exactly what they did towards the end of the season and carried that through the playoffs. I looked, um, did a little research, and Titans are actually 2-5 and five against the Steelers in their last seven matchups. So wow. it's been a favorable matchup, been a favorable matchup for the Steelers, including the most recent one was a 40-17 to 17 absolute blowout. I think you remember the – Antonio Brown helmet catch was in that one. Yeah. A B just completely completely roasted them in that game. So oh. but it, it's a different tight at the same time, in the same breath, it's a different Titans team. Like this yeah. this Mike Vabrell led, led Titans team is not the same. So I think that this is a tough matchup. This is the first game on the Steelers schedule that I can see very likely being a loss, especially being on the road after two at home. I just I, I mean, again, I right now it's hard to say any game's a win or a loss, but that's one when you just kind of go through, okay, Giants, Broncos, Texans, Titans, ooh, like that's the one where yeah. you're like, okay, that's a team, that's a game right there. Yeah. So I, I can see that one giving them some trouble at the same time. Who, who freaking knows, man? <laughs> I could see the Steelers blowing them out like they did last time because they have <laughs> matched up. They have matched up well against the Titans uh, recently, and the Titans, for as good as 
as good as they were towards the end of last season, expecting expecting Derrick Henry to maintain that kind of production is just unrealistic. So he he's going to come back to earth at least a little bit, and then we're going to see if you know Tannehill's really the guy for them. So who knows, man? It, it's a fun. That's a fun matchup. That's the first one. Like I said, that's the first one I look at and get really juiced about to see. And and that's what I like too about this matchup. You and I are both seeing the schedule. Obviously, the fourth game here against the Titans is the toughest matchup that we see right now on the schedule. That obviously helps out Ben Roethlisberger if he's returning to get three games under his belt before going into a, a you know the marquee matchup against a playoff team from the previous season, who essentially took our playoff spot by winning against the Texans in the last week of the year that the Steelers would have made the playoffs if it was the rules this season, having the extra team make it for each conference because now they're having seven teams come in. Oh, and a, a quick aside, too. I looked up uh, all the seasons that the Steelers missed. I think they missed the, the playoffs five years under Tomlin. Three of them they would have made it if it was seven teams instead of instead of the six teams that it had been. So it's interesting to see, like, when you have – this coach Tomlin, I mean, he's he's going to put you in playoff contention every year now, and especially having an extra player yeah. being right around 500, worst case scenario it seems, they're going to still be having a shot to make the playoffs. So it's it's a really amazing thing to see moving forward. But I see this For more sure. as, especially as a defensive matchup. It can be a blowout in any aspect of these games now, depending on if we get weapons open and available and into the end zone as opposed to kicking field goals. You know, if this is a defensive game, if it's a field goal game, it's anybody's matchup and probably would tilt more toward the Tennessee Titans. Then that's the first quarter of the season. You got four games played. You got two games at home, two away, and one primetime game, which is the first game of the season. No games against divisional opponents, and I really like that aspect too, Hunter, because, like, we're coming off of coronavirus. The divisional games are the ones that matter the most in your playoff seedings and and who makes the playoffs in general from your division. So a month under your belt, you get to play without even seeing any divisional opponents. That is fantastic, in my opinion. Moving into the second quarter, first game, game five, week five, Monday night. Oh, sorry. You've got the 1 o'clock game against Philadelphia at home for a battle for Pennsylvania. you got Carson Wentz coming back. They just drafted Jalen Hurts. So that's going to be an odd dynamic in Philadelphia this year because the Boo Birds love booing their team more than any <laughs> other player on any, or any other team in the league. Even though they'll, 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 they hate the other teams, they will boo their team and their players first before anybody has a chance to. So if Carson's having some trouble in the first couple games in September, you're already going to hear the Boo Birds calling for Jalen Hurts, and that's going to hurt the Philadelphia's chance to win against the Steelers if that happens. It's always fun whenever the two Pennsylvania teams can match up. So yeah. I like that. I like this game just on the surface. You know, the area I grew up in was kind of South Central PA. So I wasn't in Pittsburgh or Philly, which just led to this the town. I almost said city. It's not a city by any means. The the town yeah. being just split with Eagles fans and Steelers fans. So I've I've had my fair share of of knowing what diehard Eagles fans can be like, and they are crazy, <laughs> man. You nailed it. They're they're nuts. Yep. So I know that I know that well. Um, it's going to be a going to be a super fun game because of that. I think uh, the last time the Eagles played at Heinz Field, uh, the Steelers won on a last second Schweizum field goal. So we'll see if uh, Chris Boswell has some magic left in that leg if they'll need it. 
it's a it's like you said the Jalen Hurts pick was weird to me I did not like it for for the Eagles especially I didn't like the pick but at the same time we've seen these quarterbacks kind of like a Taysom Hill like maybe he'll be a situational kind of quarterback to give different looks and maybe break open the game a little bit here and there and just be a general weapon on offense while he acclimates to the NFL game. Yeah. I could see that for sure. But the the Eagles have been wildly inconsistent as well since winning the Super Bowl. You know, they've never been that – they've never restored that same dominance they had for various reasons. So as much as we talk about teams trying to find their identity, I think the Eagles are among those teams that still need to figure out who they are and what works so well for them and why they can't replicate it. So they're kind of on the downward – they're trending downward in my eyes. Oh. But – Again, battle battle of Pennsylvania. There's no easy game. And just real quick to put some respect on Tomlin's name, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he actually would have never missed the playoffs as a coach. But look that up. If there were seven seeds, yeah, if there were seven. I think no, there's there's two. I did look it up. One, they were nine and seven, and there were uh, uh, three teams that were above them, and one was an eight and eight season where there were just too many teams that were eight and eight that they would have lost out on tie breaks. I got bad intel from somebody. Yep. I heard that set. I was like, wow, that's freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah. I just I just did that right before the call today, so I, I made sure to look that up. But it, but it still, I mean, but in all of those other instances, when you have seven teams making the playoffs, their worst case, they were still eighth. I mean, this is how good Tomlin is. I mean, he's he's right there to be competing for a title every year, and that's all you can ask for for a, for a Steeler fan because you want your team to yeah, be in the man. playoffs every season to, to compete for a title. And Tomlin, man, his track record is there. We just talked about Mason Rudolph going five and three and how that's a really good accomplishment no matter how you split it. Yeah. I think a head coach a head coach never having a losing season is even crazier. That's nuts. You know, there's there's years where you're just off, injuries, whatever. And last year being the perfect example, that team could have just folded up and quit and packed it in, ah, Ben's out, you know, we'll get him next year kind of thing, but that just never happens with yeah. that team at all. And it, it never happens with the Tomlin Steelers. So I think that, I mean, but you, you remember it well last year, whenever they were, you know, controlling their own destiny and looking like they were headed towards the playoffs, there was a lot of Mike Tomlin coach of the year talk at the time. And there, yeah. as there should have been. Yeah. So he's, he's just phenomenal. I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought I read that he would have made it as seven every time he missed but yep no just two he would have missed but he's he's still a phenomenal phenomenal coach and never had a losing record and even with Rudolph I mean you got down to your third quarterback well technically your fourth because you traded Dobbs right there at the beginning of the season to get some draft value from him but with uh Devlin Hodges he went three and three I mean you're down to the fourth quarterback on your roster from the from the the first game of the season and he went 500 so, I mean, that's just fantastic. And he, he had more of luck what a projected first-time starting quarterback looks like in the league, you know, going three and three, eight touchdowns to – oh, sorry, five touchdowns to eight interceptions. You know, they're usually upside down in the interception ratio. But still, I mean, he had some productive games and he had some wins there early on. Absolutely. It, it, was, it was a really fun season. I think Steelers fans obviously are disappointed by the end result. Yeah. But there was a, there was a lot to learn from that, and a lot to take from that, and a lot for those young players too. I mean, Hodge is not just the fourth quarterback, like you said, on the depth chart in training camp, but an undrafted rookie free agent like that. Yeah, that's a yeah. crazy story. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it was just a crazy story overall. I thought I thought Duck Mania was one of the most fun you know storylines of last season. Whenever he was on his little tear, but anyway. 
<laughs> Back to the Eagles, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. No, we can move forward. I lived in Philadelphia for 13 years, so I know how seriously Eagles fans take any matchup. I went to a preseason game when Steelers and Eagles used to alternate home stadiums every preseason in my Steeler gear, and I was getting peanuts thrown at me. And I'm like, guys, it's a freaking preseason game. <laughs> like, it doesn't even matter, and they don't care, man. They, If you're an opposing fan with any other jersey walking into an Eagles sporting event, you're going to get harassed to the, the, the largest of the extent that they can harass you. <laughs> yeah, dude, dude, they – they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. What else do you need to know? Like that's the end. Whenever you start, whenever you start taking out your rage on Santa Claus, it's a whole different level. <laughs> that's something else. So the next game, uh, the sixth game for the Steelers, is their first divisional matchup at home against the Cleveland Browns. How do you look at that <laughs> matchup going and going against Cleveland? Mm, obviously. The first thing I notice is that it's a 1 p.m. game. Yep. So you think this is obviously a primetime matchup after the crazy Miles mm. Garrett incident and all the fallout from that, the way this rivalry has become violent uh, of late. I mean, yeah. I don't know what other way to put it based yeah. on what that was. It was nuts. And, and the Garrett, you know, that obviously stole the headlines, but don't forget that the Steelers also lost Juju and Deontay Johnson briefly to hit to the head from Browns. You know, that was just yep. a rough, rough series last year. Yeah. And it's a 1 p.m. game. So that tells me that the NFL is trying to just kind of downplay that. Let's keep it quiet. Let's not build up. Like, let's not make this more than it is. The media is going to do a good enough job on their own to do that yeah. for sure. You're going to hear all about it. That's going to be all the talking points, all the interviews, and it's going to get old for sure. But the most interesting aspect of it from a pure football sense is like you said, this is your first taste of AFC North action and it's the new look Browns. Once again, yep. every year, it seems like they're, they're the <laughs> new look, new and improved Browns. Yep. But are they actually this year? Because I can see them getting off to a hot start. I do think, I mean, I think their roster looks good. I like what the new GM has done. His philosophies, like we talked about on that draft breakdown, he just seems like he has a better grasp of what it takes to win in the NFL. So, We'll see, because a, a winning culture does not just develop overnight. The Browns don't know how to win. They just don't. And they have a rough I'm, – I'm pretty sure I looked at their schedule. The start of their schedule is rough. If they get out the gate like 1-3, 1-4, even like 2-4, and four, whatever, if they get off to a start like that, it's going to just snowball because they're going to get caught up and, oh, God, we're still not – you know, we're not there yet, and it's going to just – I don't think they're going to have the mental makeup to – to bounce back from a bad start. So they need to get out of the gates hot and then could become dangerous. But if they don't, I think you're just going to see another Brown season that will leave people's heads scratching. Yeah. And you're right The Whereas our team doesn't see a divisional opponent until the second month of the season, game six Browns have, they play the Ravens and the Bengals, their first two games. So that is a tough way to open the schedule, and and the tough actually it's tough for the entire division to tell you the truth, to have to have these matchups against divisional opponents right off the bat, and especially it looks like they're playing. Um, yeah, is that that's at Baltimore for the first game of the season. So that is <laughs> that's essentially Baltimore's homecoming game, with all of the angst from missing the playoffs the season before. Though 
Cleveland did an excellent job playing Baltimore at home last year and pulled up that big upset and actually gave Baltimore their worst loss of the season at home. So, you know, it, this is going to be an interesting matchup. And finally, you're starting to get to the point, too, where Cleveland has some claws and they do have that angst for the Cleveland Browns moving to become the Baltimore Ravens and then having success in winning Super Bowls to have to face their new Cleveland Browns versus the old Cleveland Browns with that kind of rivalry. So it's nice to see that developing as well. But, yeah, it's just an interesting dynamic. Yeah, you can hear my dog loves the Cleveland Browns talk too. Babs putting her <laughs> – Getting her two cents in on the red. The dog pound came yep. to life for them. So there you go. But, man, the the side side note on this matchup, and specifically for a, for a discussion of schedules that's mm-hmm. interesting, is we talked about, you know, the injuries that came out of those Browns games last year. Well, this year, you go right from the Browns into a matchup against the Ravens. So yep. you need to be you need to be at full health for this yep. Ravens game for sure. So it, it, that's just – another layer for me because it an AFC North game always is going to beat you up, be a toll on the body. They're just rough rivalry games with all, all three of the opponents. So we'll see if they can carry health out of the Browns game more than anything, you know, even if it's a loss, I think if they emerge healthy, that's going to be, you know, a silver lining win for the Steelers heading into that Ravens game, because if they go into the Ravens game undermanned, yeah, could get ugly. Yeah. It could be a tough matchup, especially since that, that game is in Baltimore, their third, their, the, uh, what is that, four, five, six, seventh game of the season. So they need everything clicking. I mean, they played, a, they, defensively, we match up fairly well against the Ravens. I, I like the way that we can slow down their high, their passing attack, as well as defend the run. I mean, obviously, defending the run is going to be the toughest aspect, but it's going to be the, it's the best rivalry in football and throw the records out the window every time Baltimore and Pittsburgh plays because they're playing to win every time. And it doesn't matter whether one's doing great and the other's doing poorly because both of them are going to try to do whatever they can to win that game. Cause that's the one that matters. It seems like to both of these coaches, every time they play each other. Absolutely true. And I think it's important to remember that last year, Lamar Jackson was not Lamar Jackson against the Steelers. That was like one of the few defenses that really gave him yeah. legit problems in that first matchup. Yep. I think the you know the Steelers were right in that game. It was an overtime loss. They easily could have won that with any number of things gone differently. Everybody talks about the Juju fumble, which obviously was huge. But it, yeah. I hate whenever people I hate when people distill a loss down to one play. Yeah. You know that mattered, but there were there were other mistakes made as well. But yeah, obviously Juju I, I, holds on to that ball. Could be talking about a different season entirely. Could be talking about playoffs and who knows what after that. So yeah. it's important to note that even though the Ravens did go 14-2, and they're returning the NFL MVP, who's probably yep. you know still a very young, developing quarterback. It's likely that he can get even better. You know, they, they yeah. had a good draft. Yeah, They look like a brutal, just rough out for any team. Mm. But the Steelers just play them well. They they did last year. They even played them well last year when everything was going wrong. So we'll see. I like, obviously this is, this is the matchup of matchup. Well, the second Ravens matchup is the matchup of matchups, yeah. but still it, it's a great, it's a great matchup coming off the Browns game. Like I said, if they're healthy, this is going to be a very competitive game and it, it'll give, if the Steelers have a hot start to their season mm-hmm. On this on the schedule, as it looks like, is very possible for my eyes. This Baltimore game is going to be the one that really 
sets people's expectations one way or another for my, in my eyes, you know, the Steelers could come into this, whatever, maybe one or two losses, but the Baltimore game will show how real they actually are. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely. And it's, it's good. Also, you have back to back games against tough divisional opponents and the Steelers get their bye week and it comes at a good spot in the season. I like I like it any time, and I, I personally think that bye weeks should only occur between weeks 8, 9, 10, and 11. I think it should rotate each year so you get one every year because throwing Brady that last bye of the season like they always do, and they did for week 13 again this year for Tampa Bay, screw that crap. I mean, do it four weeks in, in the middle of the season. Everybody gets their bye, but do it by division if you want and it makes it easy, but the Steelers get a good a good location for a bye. It's week seven. It's still almost halfway to the season. They have seven games played, four at home, three away. So it's a good spot to at least recover and get ready for a road matchup, which is their only 4 o'clock game on the schedule for the entire season, and it would be at Dallas. You got Dak. Yeah. You got Dalton. You got the double Ds going after it now. How do you see the the entire, I guess, the franchise of Dallas being this season? There's so much about this matchup and the way it came. Like you mentioned that bye, man. I think that's huge because the Steelers' schedule as a whole, they don't travel a lot. Like that's, their away games are still still pretty close. It's yeah. quite, when you just look at total travel time, Dallas is the farthest they go. So yep. you get away at Baltimore – which you're coming off back-to-back AFC North games, you're probably going to be a little beat up, and you're coming off the road against the Ravens. Then you get your bye, yep. and then you go to Dallas, your longest your longest flight, the most travel of the season. So that bye literally could not have worked more perfectly for the Steelers this year, I think. That's the absolute ideal bye. And just to loop back to your initial question, because you're not just traveling far, but Dallas looks good to me on paper. This looks like a team. This doesn't look like you're – just average, you know, eight and eight Cowboys or whatever. I, I, they got a lot of weapons. I liked what they did in the draft. I yeah. think Dak is going. Dak is going to be ultra motivated. I think that all this, the contract talk, the Andy bringing in Andy Dalton, all this is going to do one of two things for Dak, and it's either going to send him to another level or it's going to crush him, and he's going to just get weighed down by it and not be able to work out of it and just never be the same. And I don't see that in him. I don't know. I, I think maybe I'm just higher on Dak than most people. But I like not to, not just his actual game, but his mental makeup. I think he's mentally tough. Yeah. I think he's going to see this as a challenge, as a motivating challenge versus a well, like you know, versus taking it as a sign of disrespect. I think he's going to be looking to prove people wrong. Mm. He's got a lot of weapons to do it this this season. And Dallas is not a bad team. You know, they're always going to play the Steelers stuff. So that's. You know, another game that I look at kind of highlight as a potential loss, but the bye week is going to help. I love this the, the placement of that bye, I think, is going to serve the Steelers well, and you could see rejuvenated, refreshed Steelers coming out of the bye. And the Dallas franchise itself, the only thing that I'm always on the fence, I think they always have that talent. They always have A-plus level talent on their roster. The problem is... Jerry Jones loves the drama because he's from that mindset. Bad press is still press. There's no such thing as Brad press because your team's getting publicity. He brings in some of these 
these troubled players that are very talented. And the problem is the locker room then starts to get some unrest. And this move, bringing Dalton into this locker room, could flat fracture the locker room. If you, I mean, I like Dak too. I'm I'm on your page for Dak. I think he's a really consistent, good quarterback that wants to win and can make those drives at the end of games to make sure your team does win. But now you're going to throw another alpha dog quarterback into the locker room who's used to being the starter, who's going to be very effective, and now not only are the fans going to be playing these two quarterbacks against each other if there's any problems with Z- with Dak starting the season, but Jerry Jones is going to start playing the two quarterbacks against each other because that is what he does. And he, it's it's his overview of the seeing that he's the official head coach above the head coach. And it's always been that way. That's why Jimmy Johnson had to leave. That's why Bill Parcells had to leave. I mean, these are coaches that are the best ever to, to coach in the league that were successful under him, that were winning Super Bowls under him, but they didn't want to play with him because he wants to have his fingers in everything, also being the only owner that is the GM for their team. So that yeah. is the the problem that I always have with Dallas moving forward with Jerry Jones is that he doesn't give his coaches a chance to be the coach because he sees himself as being smarter than the coach. It should be his decisions. You shouldn't be sending out that quarterback. You should be putting in this quarterback. That guy had a bad game. He needs to sit. That's your owner that you have sitting over your head. That's your GM that's barking in your ear all that freaking time. So I can completely understand now that they're on to another. <laughs> isn't this a, mm-hmm. a new coaching regime now this year as well? Um, with Dallas, I mean, because they got rid of Garrett, so now they have a new coach. I don't know if he's going to be do a better job of doing what, <laughs> what Jerry Jones says, yeah. so he's happy. But that's the other aspect that you've got to fill into it. And, of course, if, if he's going to start off with a bad season, I mean, you can see that the internal workings of the locker room and the coaching staff may implode by the time we get to see them at midseason. It is a good point. They're very Browns-like, going back to kind of what I said about the Browns, in that I can see their momentum either working entirely for them or completely destroying them, in that if they get off to a bad start to the season, like you said, all that drama, all the reality TV kind of storyline, the Dak versus Andy, you know they can't wait to – you know SportsCenter has, like, graphics and headlines already made for that. <laughs> like, whatever the yep. battle happens, is it time for Andy? Yep. They can't wait for that. So, and like you said, Jerry Jones can't wait for all the attention either. So they could very well see something like I could envision with the Browns in that they get off to that bad start and things just completely explode in a very dramatic way. So like you said, it could be a different Dallas team by November 8th. They could, they could be firmly in their downward spiral by that point. I personally don't see it, but I can see how it can happen. Yeah. Yep. So now we're at the, End of the second quarter of the season, those next, the second quarter's games, you had two home games, two away games, and two divisional games. So a nice balance there in the second quarter. Now you're through the half of the season, four home, four away, and only two divisional games. And that's all the time we have today for the SteelerNation.com podcast. Obviously, we got into everything, and every time Hunter and I get together, all we do is talk Steeler Nation knowledge. So... You guys get as much information as you possibly can. So we've got to split this up into two podcasts. Tomorrow we'll be covering the second half of the season as well as the Steelers' predicted record and some playoff implications, but we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So 
Until that time, go over to DKPittsburghSports.com and check out Hunter's articles. Also, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Hunter A. Homestek. That is at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. I can also be followed as Steeler Nation Striker on Twitter and Instagram at SN Striker with a Y. Come on over to SteelerNation.com for the best forum and Steeler news on the internet. Check out our gear page. Get yourself a podcast t-shirt. Get yourself a podcast sweatshirt. Or check out the new SteelerNation.com logo that we placed on these beautiful shirts and sweatshirts so you can really show your Steeler Nation pride at the next tailgate. See you tomorrow for the second half of this great podcast, breaking down the Steelers' schedule. Until then, I am your host, G Striker, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers!